Um, so I will this say that is being recorded. I will say that I've been pretty much um, just in a, in a grief state really over the state of the church and over where people are right now in their faith for several reasons. One is because of the preoccupation with things in the world system, um, how people are just spending time on things that just absolutely don't matter. And, and just overall, I've also been a little heavy because I've had a lot of things happen this week as well that reminds me of what is important. I think that's the best thing that I can say as far as um, me being a mom, a wife, an auntie, you know, a friend, a sister. But as we approach, listen, we're halfway through or pretty much halfway through the first quarter of this year, right? So I just want you guys just briefly, just briefly in the chat to just let me know what's been on your mind, what you've been pondering in your heart, what you've been um, considering, what's been of a weight to you. Listen, concerning the congregation, concerning the congregation. I'm not talking about frivolous things. I mean, have you been hearing from God? Have you been hearing from God? So I'm, I'm going to hold right there for a minute. I'm going to just put this on pause, hurting whoever wants to hit that. This meeting is being recorded. So I want to talk to you about the healing part, but I want to do it by reintroducing you to the story of the woman at the well. We all know this story very well. I'm not here to give you anything that um, you might consider revelational. It's not a competition. You've heard this over and over and over again. This is not a historical journey. It's just an earnest conversation that I believe we need to have within the conservatory that's going to help. Apostle, you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to try this sharing the screen again. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. Zoom has done something new, but let me go ahead and try again and see if it'll let me um, share and you can hear me at the same time. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you yes. see my window? Ah, I yes. did it right. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so we're going to be coming from um, John 4 this morning. And um, let me pull my scripture up because I can't. Here we are. Hold on one second. So I want to just read this and we're going to take it from the top and we're going to stick to this. And I pray that it blesses you this morning. John 4 begins and it says this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit Let's see, yeah, there's one body and one spirit. Just, oh no, this is Ephesians. I'm going to read this anyway. There's one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all. And we've been talking about Ephesians 4. I'm ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead since I started here. But I'm only sharing this for one reason. And verse 12, it says that God gave those gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the son of God. And we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we focused a lot on that and become mature. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. 
So this is important as we go into this because I believe the woman at the well teaches us a powerful thing about emotional intelligence. She teaches us profoundly about how to move forward and how to move on, how to deal with um, circumstances in life, how to deal with our pain, how to deal with our hurt, how to keep moving while we work it all out, how to keep our focus on Jesus as we get through to that place. And when we look at Ephesians 4, I don't know if my screen has switched with this particular tab. We might still be at Ephesians 4, which I was when I opened the screen. I'm pretty sure that you were still at John 4. But we're reminded of how everything that we've been learning over the years find their place in us and find their place in God's design for us. But let's look at the woman at the well specifically as she teaches us these lessons. Again, today is not meant to be revelatory, but it is meant to be convicting. And so Father, we just thank you for what we're gonna talk about today. We thank you that our ears are able to hear, that our hearts are able to hear, that our minds are able to change, that we're able to reverse a lot of the thinking that we have gotten from this world system. And Lord, that we're able to think from the mind of Christ, from the ideas and thought patterns and the emotional state that Jesus was in when he was in the earth. How did he move and act and do and be so effective in the midst of everything that he faced? But Lord, you showed him just as you are showing us. And we declare that we are going to finish our race. We're going to move forward. We're going to let every single thing that needs to take place in our lives take place, even if it brings us to tears until we overcome in Jesus' name. We will be transformed. So here we have the Samaritan woman. The scripture tells us that Jesus came to a city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there just before being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, there's a lot of revelation that can come with this, the history of Jacob, the background of the city, what it means to be a Samaritan. We're not going to focus on that this morning. We're not going to do that kind of history because I believe it's more important that we hear some lessons that are inadvertently um, preached and taught to us. It says in verse seven that a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Oh my goodness. So Jesus is going through Samaria and he stops by this well where this woman came to draw water and he says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So they're running errands. They're doing whatever they need to do. But here's Jesus thirsty. And here's this woman. And he, she's drawing water. And obviously Jesus doesn't have a water pot of the kind that she's using. But he asks her for a drink of water. And I love this because there are many times when we're on our way, living our lives, doing the things that we do, that we sometimes feel like we need to stop and uh, that we feel like we, we can't stop because we're on a mission. We're doing these things that we're supposed to do. And I mean, listen, she's, she's going to draw water. What is it that you're going to do today? What are your plans? What were your plans last Sunday? You know, what are your plans this week? Well, you're just on your way. But here is Jesus saying, give me a drink. Will you have time to stop? Will you have time to respond and answer if he comes to you and say, give me a drink? But here we are, because he said, his disciples had gone away into the city. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? Again, there's a story here. This is not the point of our message today. So we're not going to look at this aspect of it because I believe there's something else the Lord wants us to see. But I wanna share here 
that she does say for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And I think sometimes that we respond like that whenever the Lord is trying to call us to do something or act on something or when things are interrupting what we consider to be our normal world, our normal world. Because for this woman, getting this question from a Jew and she's a Samaritan was abnormal, was abnormal. But she asked the question to him and he, and she said again, sir, no, let's go back up here. How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and we he would have given you living water. This is our passage of scripture this morning. This is the place that we want to be because many of us, male or female, we know that in the things of the spirit, there is no male or female, um, Jew or Gentile, it's just spirit. Spirit is spirit. That's why it doesn't make sense that we have all this fight in the church about who's doing what, whether it's a woman, women can't preach. It just makes no sense when you understand that the spirit is, is of no gender. <laughs> you know, it's just people. It's just the Lord using whatever vessel he chooses. And, and here we are, like this woman, standing at her well, hearing God say, come drink. And we have a decision that he, we have to make. We have a choice that has to take place on the inside of us. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God, what if we're at a well right now and we don't really understand the gift of God? When we were talking earlier, I briefly said that we're in a time when people seem to be missing what is at the center of their understanding of what it is that God wants and what he needs. We feel like we know, well, you need to know this or we need to understand this about this situation and this about that situation. What if the thing that we really need to understand is just that God's promises are true? What if we just need to understand that Jesus has finished everything that he promised us he would finish? What if we could just believe that we are the head and not the tail? What if we could just believe that we are kings and priests? What if we could just simply receive who God is in the moment? What if we could do that? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I'm not speaking to you from a naturally perfected place, but from a place that I know God is leading and guiding me right now. One of the things that I shouted out to you inside the Scribal Conservatory Facebook group is why are we worrying about certain things? Why are we so preoccupied? We, you know, it's, it's crazy to me because I hear some of the most emotionally immature people talking about um, emotional maturity. It's like, it's like such an oxymoron. When you listen to the conversations of these people and they're trying to tell you somebody's not emotionally intelligent and you're looking at what they're focused on all day long, you're scratching your head. You're wondering, how can this be? How can this be? How can I believe that I am mature and this is where my thought processes are all the time. I'm not even able to discern, discern God, not even able to discern God. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. Oh my God, you would have asked the follow-up question. <laughs> and he would have given you living water. Oh, what we need right now is living water. Conservators, what we need right now is living water.
conservators. What we need right now is living water. See, I told you, this isn't revelation. This is just an earnest look at what we're doing, why we're doing it, and, and saying, where do I need to um, redirect this vehicle that I'm riding in? And if you're on a jet going absolutely nowhere, how can I slow this jet down and recalibrate? How can I come up with a new plan for navigating this place in my life? As a prophet, am I prophesying Jesus? As a prophetic person, am I prophetically leaning into Jesus or all the imaginations and machinations of my mind? Am I following people, their doctrines, their books, more so than I'm following the only person who can give me words of life? Listen, the scripture tells us there's much wisdom in the world, but only Jesus can give us words of life. Words of life. He is life. He is light. He is salt. And he is the living water. Oh my goodness. The woman said to him, this is verse 11. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? She asked the question. Oh, she asked the question. So here she is with this water pot. But I want you to recognize something. She knew right away that he wasn't talking about the water that was in that well. Now, if there is a revelation in this message, is that this Samaritan woman understood something that was supernatural. She understood something about living water in that moment, even though she had this pre- um, disposition that Jews and Samaritans did not mix, that they did not talk because of their culture and their history, because there's a story behind it. And she was like, well, you have nothing to draw with. And this well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? And she thinks about it. And here she is. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Because look, in this moment, all she really knew was Jacob. She's about to be elevated. See, in our, in our community today, we think elevation is a title. We think it's a position. We think it's how great someone is in their gifting. We believe is how much a person revelates whatever it is that we discern revelation to be because some people be yelling, oh man, there's revelation and it's not. It's not even common sense. It's not even good Bible. But for them, it's some kind of revelation. And you just, you know, it's kind of like the emotionally intelligent, um, the, un, the person who's not emotionally intelligent trying to convince you that you need emotional intelligence. It's like tit for tat. It's like tit for tat in these kinds of, conversation so we must see here that she is thinking she is being touched she is coming into some type of difference in understanding who is before us who is before her who is before all the people of the world i want to go back to that one phrase in verse 10 where jesus says if you knew the gift of god and who it is who says to you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She caught a revelation in that moment. And she said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. And she asked the right question. Where then do you get this living water? You know, I wanna propose to you today that we're asking all the wrong questions. The wrong question is, what's wrong with Beyonce? The wrong question is, um, look at what they're doing at the Grammys. You see that? What is that? That's the wrong question. We're asking all the wrong questions. And listen, we're asking the questions to a system that does not know our God. 
Oh my goodness. But you know our God. <laughs> you know him. So who should we be asking? We should be saying, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? God, what are you doing in my life? What are you teaching me? God, what do I need in this moment because I am overwhelmed? God, where are you and where can I get this living water from because your well is deep? Oh my goodness. Your well is deep. I know I started off a little rocky with this message, but I hope you guys are following me right now because we have to ask some hard questions and it's not what Beyonce is going to do next. I promise you. That's not the question heaven is asking. That's not the question that is going before us right now. What the world is doing is not necessarily our issue in that sense, right? That's more in the gossip realm, right? That's low level stuff. But yet we're hurting. Yet we're not able to get past our stuff. Yet we're still recovering from isolation and from the setbacks and mental health challenges that came with the pandemic. We're still trying to overcome the chaos that the church, I would say the congregational organization has become. We're still trying to figure out what church looks like. We're still having people fight over a Sunday service versus a day walking in the park. You know, we're, we're dealing with things that listen, can only be resolved in our own hearts, our own minds, in our own communities right now, right now. We have to ask God the right questions. Jesus answered her. This is um, verse 13, John 4. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. You know, it's so interesting. He, he, she asked him, where did then do you get this living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus gonna say, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He didn't even answer the question directly. Oh my goodness, but he gave her something more. He said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. In other words, Jesus made that phenomenal comparison with the water in the well, with the water of the spirit. Oh my goodness. I wanna to propose to you that we thirst because we're drawing from the wrong well. We're looking for our answers from the wrong places. We're running to people and processes and programs. We're running outside of our assigned places um, within um, the, the safe places God has created for us. We're going everywhere, but where we need to go for answers. We keep studying devils and demons. We keep studying witches and warlocks. We keep, but that's not where our living water is. I know that that's offensive to some people because we have to come from under a lot of the systems and a lot of the mindsets that we've been taught. But our living water is, is not in darkness, it's in light. I hope that's making sense. Continuously, continuously running back to vomit, continuously, continuously going back to the place where we were first hurt, continuously, continuously talking about it, continuously, continuously leaving what is dead. Dead is what God wants. But we keep giving what is dead life. 
The woman at the well made a decision and it changed her whole life in a moment, in a moment. Have we been taught things that Jesus did not teach? Or have we been taught things that are not relevant for right now? We've got to find a way to move forward. We've got to find a way to go forth. And we've spent a whole lot of time inside the conservatory trying to get our mind right. And today the Lord said to me, just talk to them about the living water, about the healing place that you can have right now if you can receive it. But sometimes that's difficult because in the system, it has to fit in the pattern of that system. And if that system is ingrained in you like it was in me, as my mama said, that's a booger bear to get out. <laughs> my mama used to say that. I'm sorry for some of you who may not know what that means, but I've lost my hearing because of impacted earwax before. I'm 100% healthy. I'm not deaf. But if you don't get that earwax out, you will feel as if you've lost your hearing. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, my God, I, I listen, this isn't deep. Oh, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water will first, will thirst again. So if we're not finding any satisfaction, we have to realize that we have to change our focus. Oh my goodness. Well, why won't God just fix it? You just have to change your focus. Think about it. Jesus walked the earth and he brought eternal change. Yet that change in us is still walking itself out, right? So change has come, change is here. But as we have learned from the conservatory, from the teachings we've had, it is in our perception. And maturity and wisdom demands that we move from darkness to light. I can be a whole believer and still live in darkness. How can you do that? Because I don't believe that I'm free. I don't believe that God loves me. I keep having all of these inner conversations that are destructive. I'm pitching fits because I want to be fixed now, but I won't do the work that brings me into that place. I won't read the scripture. I won't change my language. I won't study the Bible. I keep going back to these old camps, teaching me that the devil is responsible for everything. I am not taking my own responsibility because the devil made me do it. I can't do it because they were mean to me. We're constantly moving in that place where we, we convict people of not being emotionally intelligent when it's really us. God, I need help, but you are rejecting the help that he sent. I wanna heal, but all of these avenues I just named are for healing. They're for healing but we're not taking them. Oh, woman at the well, speak to us today. Speak to us today from a very simple place. Speak to us today. I don't have to be a Bible scholar today in this moment for you, even though that's my normal working of my mind. I just felt like we needed to touch each other's heart a little bit. And, you know, we really need to see that if we keep drinking water from the natural river, we're going to keep having the problems and the parasites and needing drops of iodine put in it and, you know, whatever that is. We're going to need a lot. 
but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them, give him, give her, will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Listen, it's not just the father on the inside of us, but it's a fountain of life. In your worst moment right now, there's a fountain in you. But you've got to believe that it's there. Oh my goodness. There's a fountain in you right now. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It's just hard. Especially when things are coming at you left, right, backwards, forwards. Sometimes we have to lay down expectations that people have of us. Not sometimes, most times, and that's hard. Sometimes we have to lay down the expectations we have of people. That's harder. <laughs> Some, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy to think that we're mad at people because people are not doing what we think they should be doing for us. <laughs> I mean, they never call me. So I'm not going to call them. And we have the nerve to scream, people are not emotionally intelligent. And that's our response to the world around us. I've said it, <laughs> you know, so I'm checking myself. It's not just about you who are with me today. We have to correct ourselves. The beautiful truth of the fountain is that the fountain on the inside of us redirects and corrects without you having to be corrected. We have to what they call recalibrate, renegotiate our situation, rethink this place that I am in, in this moment. Oh Lord, I just, I'll preach to myself. Oh my goodness. She thought he had nothing to draw with. And, but yet she saw that the well was deep. The revelation she received. Just think about that for a minute. Think about that statement she made. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Oh man, and Jesus like, honey, you have no idea. If you're drawing from the well that I am pouring living water from, you're going to get this. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Eternity is on the inside of you if you can access it right now. When David said there was nowhere to encourage, nobody to encourage him and he had to encourage himself, he was talking about the fountain. He had to find it, <laughs> hunt for it. And you know, they didn't have the indwelling of the spirit. So David's fountain was in his belief system. It had to be. And it had to be in knowing presence would fall upon him. As Jesus was on that cross, he was the well. <laughs> I mean, he was becoming the well. He had to pull from somewhere. When Paul wrote that last letter to Timothy, everybody left me. Here I am. He had to pull living water from somewhere. When Stephen was being stoned, there had to be a place of, of, of recognizing and tapping into a living water. When John was on the island of Patmos, there had to be a place. When Dorcas died 
and her friends had to believe for her resurrection. There had to be a place that they tapped into. Oh my goodness. All it takes is a moment. Well, if we knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. What? She got it. That's revelation. See, revelation rests in a place of understanding what it is that God wants to give us, that God has given us, that God is causing us to believe. What, I mean, it's, it's that, that cross of understanding that takes us from that old way of thinking to that new place. She said, I don't want to draw from this deep well again. Give me living water. This conversation won three deliverance sessions, I promise you. This conversation didn't take six months of counseling. She made a decision. I'm just saying, when are we gonna graduate to the deliver and really be healed? You know, I talked to you all a lot about what's coming. We know darker days are ahead, but darker days are not ahead in us, in our high places in Jesus. If we will learn how to fortify, we keep worrying about these governments. Listen, Babylon is as Babylon does. We pray, we intercede, God makes a way, we get through, we battle through it. And listen, what we're going through in, in the sense of a corporate nation, um, a, a world, you know, normal things that people go through in the sense of, um, I don't know, on the job, you know, those kinds of things. We just get through them. They pass, they come back up again. That's what I mean. It cycles according to Ecclesiastes 3. We're all perpetually in all of those seasons at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I love that movie. You know, not for its great moviness, but the concept and the idea of it is a prophetic declaration. Oh my goodness. Is this helping you guys? I hope so. I hope so because I'm tired. This has been a hard week. But the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor here, nor come here to draw. We all have said that. If you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, got your tambourine and your knees knocking, we have been there. Saying that, got the t-shirt. But why are we not believing it? Because see, true healing is, is not necessarily everything being all right at that exact moment. It's healing the thought that I have right now. I got past this last pain in this moment. Lord Jesus, it's progressive sometimes. Trouble really doesn't last always. I thought I was gonna die the day that I had to plan the funeral for my father. It looked like the world had ended the night my nephew was murdered. I remember thinking I was all alone in the world when I ended up in the group home. Trouble does not last. 
Those were all moments in time. And the Lord comes along to help us remember that and say, hey, Teresa, stop looking at that. You have love all around you. Hey, Teresa, I know. He's constantly saying, get the fog off the windows. And listen, my role in your life is to help you do that. The role of the people God sent around me is to help me do that because it's easy to fall off that bicycle if you're on a bike. I'm going to declare that I'm in a jet fuel from the Jetsons <laughs> type of plane, not a bicycle. That's too much work. <laughs> I don't want to work that hard anymore. But some of our belief systems have us pedaling instead of flying. Oh my God, I'll never forget um, one time we had a, a dream conference a long, long time ago. And um, a couple of people had dreams about themselves riding the bike up a hill. And all I could do was laugh. I was like, your own effort everywhere. You're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to do it out of the way you understand it. If there's one thing I can say that um, over the years, I mean, and I'm talking about even in high school, that mentorship has helped me, has been letting me, helping me think differently, giving me new considerations and new ideas. And my hardest, hardest, hardest lessons have always been trying to break old patterns. And I promise you, yours are too. If you can admit that, the hardest people to mentor are those that already know everything. And those are the ones on the bicycles. And they think they're in the plane. Oh, we're almost done. I promise we're done. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I, that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said, go, call your husband and come here. <laughs> the woman answered and said, I have no husband. I'm going to share uh, this from a different perspective. This isn't even about the man. It isn't about her state. It isn't about her, her particular sin. We're not even going to look at it like that. It's bigger than that in this conversation today. It's about her recognizing that she needs help. <laughs> it's about her recognizing that that plan ain't working. <laughs> it's about her saying, whoops, maybe there's something different I should be doing. It's a, probably about maybe I need to change. Maybe the way I'm living is not productive for me. Maybe the choices and the decision, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> maybe I am the problem and it's not all these folks around me it's a realization that hits us in our gut but I want you to know that until that moment comes in your lives there will be no change you know, one of the first teachings I ever did was about transformation and metamorphosis. I came to realize that metamorphosis, I love that phrase a whole lot better because you, we, can, we all transform. But I realized that when transformation is complete, there is a complete metamorphosis. What you were, you, you no longer are. You didn't just change. You became something brand new. Oh my God. I mean, completely different. That image of the caterpillar and the butterfly is extraordinary. Two complete different states. One unable to fly 
the other one able to fly at will. One crawling on its belly and the other looking out over the land saying, what's next? Maturity brings us into a place of such wholeness that we are no longer who we used to be. My litmus test, listen, is always my family. When I go home, when I'm around my old school friends, when I'm around my, my, my people who knew me back in the day, and one of them say things to you like, girl, you sure have changed. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> you know, I listen to the point where I don't halfway remember the stuff we got in trouble doing together. But what if your healing could be like that? Oh my God, your healing of the stuff you're going through right now. I, I just, your worst moment, your worst loss. What if it's just like the caterpillar and the butterfly situation? Because it is. It is, it is. Oh God, the Bible tells us that many are the plans in a man's mind, but it's God's plans that will stand, that will stand. Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. I gotta get through this. <laughs> I gotta get through this. So we're gonna skip all that husband stuff because you know how the church has done this poor woman over that passage. So verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Here comes another revelation she gets. Oh my goodness. Cause you know, her first revelation was that she didn't need to drink water from that fountain. In other words, you, what you need isn't coming from that place. Her second revelation was, I don't have a husband. In other words, none of this situation that I have matters in comparison to what I'm learning right now. I got to change. So she came to the understanding that she needed to change. And Jesus was like, you better say that again. You have no husband. For you have five and the one you now have is not yours in that you spoke truly. Be true to yourself. She was true to herself. Then the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on the mountain and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither, when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Well, I'm sorry, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. How about we know what we're supposed to be worshiping? We do know. We do know, but we're not exercising it or practicing it. I get sick of people telling me what I need to eat and how I need to exercise. And I'm looking at you and you just as carnal in your faith as night and day. And I know the scripture says that exercise is good for the body, but exercise your own spirit basically is what the scripture said. Now I'm not demeaning one or the other because we need both. And I know what I need to do and I'm preaching to myself, right? But at the same time, if we can be diligent at the physical, and this is what this passage is about today. If you can be diligent, then put in the work to be made whole in the spiritual realm. If your pastor says you need to be at service on, on Wednesday nights, there's a reason for that. It's not just so your beautiful body can, pill, can um, fill up the pew. They understand that the word washes. Oh my God. They understand that you need the living word. 
Yeah, but you know, that, that game coming up, you are a baby. Babies need presents. Babies need the word. Baby needs to learn first words, how to, how to eat. Let me teach you how to suck that bottle right. Okay, let me teach you how to use your fork and your spoon. It's time to crawl. You know, we, we, we have to do that because there's going to come a day when you have to walk. And if all of those tools were not built up, it's going to cost you in the coming days. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Then the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, that's amazing. We hear God, right? God speak to me. Well, we need to start living like he does. Because if he's speaking, we will worship him from the fountain on the inside of us. We will worship him from our obedience, not obedience and writing that book. And doing that art. I'm talking your obedience in submitting to your process of healing. Get the dross out of your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to worship God, clean yourself up. Brush your teeth in the morning. Bad breath kills. <laughs> I'm being silly, but y'all understand. As I tell my son, go babe, go babe. You can't be sitting in the classroom without a bath. You know how we talk to kids. In our community, we say other things, but I can't do that on this call. <laughs> Listen, so, so here we are and we are, we are wondering, Lord, what's next? I am convinced with everything in me that we have created a community of people that we nurture their pain. We nurture their pain. We nurture their sickness. We nurture their condition. We let people come to us over and over and over and over again with the same story. We're not giving them the tools that they need to be healed. We're trying to get them to break down this devil and break down that stronghold. When are we going to be like the woman at the well? Because guess what she did next? Oh my God. And when Jesus said, I am he whom you seek, look, not only is he whom we seek, but he on the inside. Rivers of living water are in us. That woman did not have that kind of wealth. But look at what she did. And so, you know, the apostles don't shut, got back from the um, corner store by now. And they're saying, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They didn't say that there's a story behind that. We're not talking about that story today. The woman then left her water pot and went away into the, look, she didn't pause, she didn't stop, look. That's real revelation. Because in a moment, she moved from caterpillar to butterfly. Somehow her past did not matter. Somehow the men did not matter. 
The bad marriages did not matter. The rejected family did not matter. Her Samaritan status did not matter. Somehow, she transformed her whole life in a small conversation because she was able to receive truth. Oh my God, she was healed. We know now when we look at our own lives that she probably had stuff she was still working out, but she worked it out as she ran. She didn't care what people thought of her anymore. Well, before she was probably walking in shame, her head down. In fact, we know she was because she had just said to Jesus, do, what, what does a Jew have to do with me? You know how people do. They don't like me. They, they, they didn't speak to me when I walked in the room. They don't call me. They don't check on me. You know how we do? Listen, she left the water pot. She left the water pot. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We have to understand that she said, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. I tell you, the Lord wants us in this place today. And some of us have been suffering for a long time. You've been holding on to your grief. You've been holding on to your sadness. You've been looking for people to help me get, take me by the hand and let me curl up at the foot of DJ so I can hear you. We got to be proactive. Listen, we have to be proactive in this hour. We must use our tools because our tools enable us to become mature. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your pain. He cares about your suffering. He cares about your loss. He cares about your health. And you may be angry and you may be sad because the, the pain has not gone away. You're still hurting. Your arm has just not completely healed. You, you may feel like some things still need to be worked out, but the beauty of God is that he's counting on you to believe him. He's counting on you to trust that he is able. He's counting on you to fight for the mind of Christ. He's counting on you to know that even though all kinds of darkness is in this world, that people are opening, open, openly practicing whatever we believe they're practicing at the Grammys. He wants us to know that he is still God. And we don't have to fear. He knows that there is sex trafficking. He knows that children are being molested and raped every day. He knows what happened to you. But he also knows that dominion has been given to us. And unless we mature, unless we come to know him from a higher place, we're going to continuously engage in practices that cripple the church. And most importantly, cripple our own lives. We're all gonna, always gonna see him from that perverted place of a daddy who's just gonna let us lay in his lap and cry. If he told Job to pull up his pants, if he said to Ezekiel, your wife is dead, if he told, if Jesus begged for the cup to be taken from him and then realized, not my will, but thy will be done, how much more is required of us? God loves you. He loves me. Sometimes I don't know whether I'm able to gonna take my next breath. 
but I know that God wants me here. I know that he wants you here. I know that he has purpose for you, but we have to get our head after the celebrity and the platform mindset that this age is bringing upon us where everybody thinks that they're not serving God unless they have an audience, influence, and listen, a platform. We need healing and we need it quickly. So Father, we pray today that you are coming quickly to us in our pain and our confusion. We're allowing the living water that you've placed on the inside of us to come alive. We are giving ourselves the opportunity to break free of, of just corrupt thought processes, corrupt thinking, being as they quote, set in our ways. My God, I have to fight that myself. We, keep, we hit thresholds and we need the Lord to break the thresholds, to move the barriers. And he can only do that if we will agree with what he says those barriers are. We have to be able to receive from the people he put in place. There can be no mentorship, no guidance, no pastoral oversight, no apostolic leadership if we don't listen in the places that matter. That's for all of us. Father, we declare today that we will be teachable. We declare today that we want to understand what's important. We want to be able to go through Ephesians 4.11 and listen to the Ephesians 4.11 gifting teachings and not just be looking for what's in my hand. How can I prophesy better? I want to do miracles. We are not like Simon Magnus. Magicians. We are sons. And we want to operate, Lord God, in ministry over magic. We want to know your voice and appreciate your voice. We thank you for others who have great things to say in our lives, but we want to bear into what is profitable for the maturation of the believer. Father, we repent for staying babies and wanting to stay babies. We repent, God, for always looking for to be fed by handouts and not being able to give back in the name of Jesus. Father, we repent, Lord God, for giving up. And I just even hear the Lord saying from being extremely self-focused. Me, 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 me. We repent in Jesus' name for pettiness, outright pettiness, pettiness, a lack of immature, a lack of maturity. And Lord, we repent for even choosing emotional immaturity. We want to grow up by any means necessary in Jesus. We want our roots to grow down deep. Father, we pray for healing of the mind tonight, this evening. We pray, Father, for healing of, of the physical body. Lord, the healing of relationships. We pray, Father, for even if the relationships can't be repaired, we pray, Lord, for the release of those things off of your people so that they're not holding any residue from those things, that it's not haunting their thoughts. Lord, that you caused them to have a form of your reconciliation operating on the inside of them when they have done everything they could to say yes and amen. Father, I thank you that, that you are with us in every thought, every struggle. And we pray for those, Father, that are legitimately having mental struggles, things that they have no control over. Father, we convince by your spirit, we want to convince them today, Lord, that you are with them, 
that you are with him, that you understand those kinds of struggles and trials. You understand those dealing with chronic pain issues. There's no condemnation in those places, God. There's no condemnation in those um, areas of diagnosis. We decree and declare that they are whole. I know what you can do. I know you are a healer in those areas in Jesus' name. Comfort us today, Lord. Let us learn the lessons of the Samaritan woman at the well. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.